Have you ever wondered what a good conversion rate is for an app? Uh, this is where my sponsor, Splitmetrics, can come in and help you. They are an A-B testing and analytics platform for App Store pages. They can answer all your questions about optimizing your App Store presence, and they allow you to determine the elements that work and bring you more conversions and revenue. It's all with A-B split testing. Uh, to make your app more appealing, request a demo at www.splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy. That's splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy, all lowercase, and thank you so much to Splitmetrics for supporting the show. Smarto is the global real-time advertising platform for mobile publishers and app developers, connecting supply and demand on a global scale. If you're looking to monetize your app or mobile website, the Smarto publisher platform is your solution. It's the only integrated mobile monetization solution bringing mobile, native advertising and programmatic together on one platform. Connect to over 400 demand sources, bring your own ad network deals and let them all compete for the highest price on every ad impression. Sign up free, go to www.smarto.com. That's www.smato.com and get started today. Hello, this is Janet Murray from janetmurray.co.uk and you're listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. Uh, I go around the world with this podcast and I just grab the most interesting and inspiring app entrepreneurs. We've had some great guests recently and I'm just got, I'm on a roll here because we have the CEO and founder of a company called Hassle.com. I want you to go and check this out. It's Hassle, Hassle.com. Go and check them out on, online. Uh, it is episode 390. And we have, as I say, the founder, CEO, Alex DePledge. We're going to talk about her journey with uh, the, uh, the Hassle. So welcome to the App Guide podcast, Alex. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. And you are based in London then. So tell us about Hassle and uh, what you're doing to help the world. Oh, helping the world. That's a tall order. Um, well, Hassle.com is a technology-driven marketplace for domestic cleaners. So in about 60 seconds, a consumer can come to our app or our website and find the local cleaners that operate in their area and book one for their home. Okay, it's a genius, genius idea. Tell us how you got this idea. Uh, that, that would be good, where the inception of the idea came from. So, I mean, this, it's a bit of a long story, so I'll make it short, <laughs> as short as I can. But <laughs> if you rewind to 2011, um, myself and my two co-founders, Jules and Tom, uh, Jules is a girl and I'm, I'm a girl and Tom's a boy, just because everyone thinks it's three guys. Um, we um, were kicking around ideas because we knew we wanted to start our own business, um, but we weren't really sure what that was in. And anyway, there was this one idea we kept coming back to, which was the eBay for local services. Um, so the idea that you could, you know, like eBay, you can go and find anything you want online, order it, and it turns up. We were like, why can't you do that for gardeners and dog walkers and tutors and babysitters and cleaners? And the more we thought about this, the more kind of, you know, it was a massive vision, but it was also something really, really practical and a problem that just seems like, why the hell has this never been solved before? Well, Fast forward uh, another two years from then and we realized the reason it hadn't been solved before is because actually 
marketplaces are so defensible because they take such a long time to build. And generally, the way that you start to build them is by focusing on one vertical and building out. So eBay focused on antiques, Amazon on books, um, and now there are these like behemoths today. So um, there's a lot happened in that two years. But essentially, we ran this eBay for local services for about a good year and a half, went through an accelerator, um, and what we real at the end of it, what we realised is actually it's too, you need an awful lot of money to start a multi vertical marketplace. Um, and so one day I had a bit of a hissy fit, um, as I'm prone to doing, and I came home and said, "Oh, I'm I'm going back to my corporate job. This is not working anymore." Um, and my two co-founders, who are developers, were like, "What?" And they didn't understand because they're developers, and so they come in every day and they write lines of code and they solve problems. But the the issue is the problems they were solving were not ones that were helping us move get any traction or the thing take take off. And meanwhile, I'm pounding the streets of London trying to raise investment, but also trying to get providers and and, and customers, and it just wasn't working. So. We took down the database and we had a look, we sifted through all the data we'd accumulated in a year and a half. And what we realized was that about one in four people coming to the site were looking for cleaners. And we at first thought this was highly funny because we didn't have any cleaners. And then we thought, well, hang on a minute, why don't we have any cleaners? And we realized that they were very actually, they were quite difficult to find if they were not in an agency because they all operated in the black market. And that was really the genesis um, of the idea. So we we took the website down and we rebuilt it in three weeks and we launched on January 2nd, 2013. I, I love that story. What a, an absolutely inspirational story for anyone. I mean, so many, so many things I've learned through that because you're speaking to an audience that uh, a lot of us are made up of developers. Uh, and you're absolutely right. We can maybe get fixated on solving uh, technical challenges and you know with the code uh, and yet it's not representative of the real world uh, that's one learn thing i've learned and uh, and also uh, um, i've learned that you've gone through an accelerator uh, i'll tell you what i would love to know is uh, what inspired you to leave because i'm gu- guessing you said go back to a corporate job so what inspired you to leave a corporate job because rents are very high in london and go to an accelerator start your own company to t- tell us what drove you to do that well so my, my co-founder Jules is incredibly bloody minded and when she sets her mind to things she does it regardless of what you say or what anyone advises her so in, <laughs> in, in 2011 uh, you know we were putzing around with business plans and we were going to you know write this business plan and a project plan and we were going to go and get money a la Dragon's Den and, and then we were going to hire a team of offshore developers because that's what we knew how to do, right? Because we were, we were consultants and we ran big IT infrastructure projects for Accenture. So it made sense to us that we were going to go to Manila or to Bangalore and, and get a team to build this product. Um, you know, fast forward a few months and we realized that, you know, no one in their right mind was going to give us any money until we'd proven that, that, that there was a business and so um, the story goes that I'm driving home from Exeter one day from my client site and I get a phone call from Jules and she's like, are you sitting down? And I said, no, I'm driving. And she said, well, maybe you should pull over to the hard shoulder. And I was like, oh my God, who's died? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. She's like, no, just pull up. So I, did I pull over and she's like, well, look, I need to tell you something and you're going to freak out, but I'm just going to tell you it's going to be fine. I was like, okay. And she's like, well, about a month ago, I bought a book called Ruby on Rails Tutorial, and I've been sitting in my bedroom um, learning how to build Twitter, and I can do it. So today, I've handed in my notice to PwC, and I've quit my job, and I'm going to build this product for us. 
And at this point, I just thought she was completely and utterly, she just lost the plot. Um, but needless to say, she did. She spent three months in her bedroom teaching herself how to code and then subsequently teaching our other co-founder, Tom, how to code. Um, which is a little bit less challenging because Tom was a technical architect, so he knew kind of the basics anyway and, you know, wrote basic code. But um, So the, the, these two taught themselves to code, and, and the story of us quitting our jobs and going full-time was Jules did it first, but then we went to this event where Eric Rees was um, presenting his new book, The Lean Startup, which is now obviously one of those books in in, in startup folklore. Um, and so we, we go there and, and and I'm suited and booted in my little Accenture outfit with my backpack. And we walk into this room in the Mermaid Centre in London and it's full of like hoodies and jeans. And I just stuck out like a sore thumb and I felt really uncomfortable. And that's about the most I remember of that event, other than the fact that um, at the start of it, the organisers stood up and said, oh, thank you very much to our sponsors, Springboard. Uh, you know, I'm sure you all know them, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Jules, who is Springboard? And she's like, I've no idea. Now, at this point, I'd never even heard of Y Combinator. Like, I didn't know what an accelerator was. But I, like, look on my on, on Jules' iPhone and we figure out that this is an uh, accelerator that accelerates your business in 12 weeks and gives you 15 grand. And, and I was just like, God, this just sounds like something we need because it gives us the external validation that we're not crazy, a little bit of seed money, and then um, more of a structured environment for... Um, for kind of learning so lo and behold we went through the process and we managed to beat I think 500 or so companies and get one of the 10 spots on on the accelerator and that was the kind of final push for Tom and I we we felt like we were not lunatics because you know these kind of angel investors had picked us as as one of the 10 companies and and so we kind of handed our notes in uh, Accenture and and went into this accelerator program and, and to be quite honest even though we were there with a different business one that didn't work out um Springboard was absolutely the making of of Hassle.com I'm not sure we'd be here today if we hadn't have uh, done the accelerator because we were just so green and naive and knew nothing and no one uh that we, we needed a Springboard <laughs> excuse the pun yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is just so inspirational. You know, I have had people who listen to this show who have quit their own jobs as well. And uh, <laughs> full, full disclosure, my wife actually does work for Accenture. So Amazing. Um, if I mention that, maybe I'm in jeopardy of her just like quitting her job. <laughs> oh, well, seriously, um, they told me off. Um, so I've, I'm incredibly loyal to Accenture. It taught me so much about how to run a business and how to conduct myself. And, and don't get me wrong, my business is very different, but um, I thought it was a great um, sort of foundation for, for me and particularly for many other people. Um, but I did actually, they did tell me off because I kept going back and poaching poaching people. <laughs> so um, my head of ops is ex-Accenture, my product manager is ex-Accenture, my FD is ex-Accenture. Um, and they always say, don't stuff an organization full of people like yourselves. So we, we have about 50-50, 50 startup guys and 50 kind of ex-Accenture and, and the balance works really well. So, But I, have, I'm no, I now no longer poach from Accenture because I, I got my wrist, wrist slapped. <laughs> uh, so so uh, we've, we've now transformed then from this inspirational transformation in your own life to yeah. now running hassle.com and uh, you know what okay so what are, have been the big hassles for you to get to where you are now oh it's funny I started to write a blog post um almost like an obituary um the other day because I thought you know if I was gonna you know if I died now what would I say we've done really really well and what would I say we've we've done terribly on and I think 
there's a few things that I, I look back and, and think to myself, we, we could have been better. I think the first is, is every startup says this, but we hiring and firing. So we didn't take long enough to hire and we didn't fire quickly enough. Um, I think that that's a key learning for me and I am getting better at it, but it's incredibly difficult because no one really likes to have that conversation where you're, you know, you're getting rid of someone or you're saying no to a job. But, um, I think that's been one of the biggest learnings for me. And, and, and it goes on to something that I talk quite, quite frequently about in, in public in the UK, which is we have a, quite a severe uh, talent crisis in the UK where we're just not producing digitally literate um, teenagers and children coming out of university and A-levels and they're not choosing to do digital careers. And that's a huge problem in the UK because a lot of the engine of growth in the economy is digital. Um, and yet, you know, we're having to look overseas to bring people in. So it, it's really tough to get talent. Um, and we've done reasonably okay at that here, but we certainly didn't take long enough to hire and we, we didn't fire quickly enough. So I'd say that is one thing. Um, I think the other thing, um, bizarrely, is um, we got the concept of measuring and testing everything, but we didn't really do it. Does that make any sense? I think we thought we were doing it, but now we actually do it two and a half years later. I look back at some of the, like, the last two years where we thought we were testing different marketing channels and we thought we were testing different you know, things on the, in the product space, but we didn't actually do it. We, we kind of half-heartedly did it, but didn't properly track it. So I think if I went and did this again, I would put data, um, actually getting the, the, the tracking and the, uh, then the, uh, the data model and all of the tools and everything else around that, I would get that in place much quicker than I did this time. It, that's <laughs> terrific. And actually, when I look through your uh, website online, and again, uh, everyone should go and check this out, hassle.com, I mean, you have been mentioned all over the place, TechCrunch, Tech City News, and The Guardian, uh, The Evening Standard, The Metro, Wired. I mean, it's just terrific. <laughs> How has that impacted your progress? I mean, has there been a specific uh, like mention or somewhere online that, that you've been written about? It's just accelerated your uh, business you know, incredibly uh, powerfully. Is there, is there one particular like, source of growth? Um, I don't, I mean, PR has been very good for us in, in the sense that we get, so about 50% of all of our um, new acquisitions in a month are direct. So they, they come direct to hassle.com. Now, that's quite difficult for you to, to say where they've come from. But for us, it's a mixture of word of mouth, which is about 35 to 40%. Um, and then the other 10% is PR. Now, that's quite a big chunk of, uh, uh, you know, 10% is a lot to be getting through a PR channel. And I think it's because... Um, for us here at Hassle.com, and, and f especially for the founders, um, we put our brand and our vision uh, right at the heart of everything that we did. So we never wanted to be a company that did cleaning and that promised a clean home. We always, we had a bigger vision than that. And it was that we basically became, you know, a place that people wanted to come to work and they enjoyed the mission that they were going and, and you know, working here was hassle-free, that our consumers could go in, spend time, you know, walking the dog or painting or going out with their kids rather than cleaning the house. But particularly for the cleaners that work on the platform, that they, it was a hassle-free way for them to find income um, and allowed them to design the life that they wanted to lead. Um, so many of our cleaners are, are single mums raising children or they're people in higher education. And so the whole kind of mantra for us was really about the people and empowerment and getting rid of hassle. 
And I think that is a story that resonated on so many different levels with the press, that PR just became this thing that kind of came to us rather than the other way around. I love that as well, because that comes on the back of a chat that we had recently on this show uh, about creating a story and then that, that will be written about rather than trying to push about uh, you've got a new hire or something. Uh, I've got to tell you this story. Uh, where were you when I was living in London? Because I'd spent a long time living in London, central London, around uh, Clerkenwell. And I remember when uh, you talked about cleaners being uh, in the black market, <laughs> I remember walking down the street one day and seeing this really nice lady I used to say hello to who was sweeping uh, the driveway of a, uh, an apartment. And I basically hired her on the spot and she was she was the most awful person, <laughs> but it took a year to to fire her because I just felt so bad. But she'd smash things and all sorts of things. It was just so much hassle. And and, and what I've learned from speaking with you, Alex, is that that problems exist everywhere, everywhere. And I used to always assume that oh, someone will solve this, but you know, you've reminded me that it, it not it's not necessarily the case because we make up the world and we can solve these things. And you've gone ahead and done that. Yeah, I think that reminds me of a story that I actually had with a good friend of mine called Dom who runs Trade.io and it was literally, it would have been the, um, it was like the new year so we'd launched Hassle, like Hassle.com cleaning in like the January 2013 and it must have been like eight or 12 weeks later. I was, um, I was at this party in Shoreditch and Dom said to me, you know, Alex, like Hassel, what you're doing with Hassel now is just one of those no-brainer ideas that someone sits there two years from now and goes, oh my God, why didn't I think of that? A lot like you do with Airbnb. He's like, it's the simplest ideas that are the most powerful. Um, he's like, this is going to be a phenomenal success. And that was like two and a half years ago. And, you know, that really, it really struck home to me is that like when you get a good idea and it resonates with people, it's generally simple and quite powerful. So, which goes to your point that, you know, you're just walking down the street or picking a leaflet up from Sainsbury's or you're asking a friend for a cleaner. It's one of those things that everybody faces a problem, but for some reason, no one just thought, well, there's a way to make this better. Um, and I guess we, we, we didn't have that light bulb idea. We came at it from basically trying to make all of these types of services better and then just settling on one. Yeah, and also I feel like there's something that makes up entrepreneurial-minded people. I mean, we have a lot of app entrepreneurial people listening to this and problems exist everywhere in the world and it's just a way of looking at it and trying to solve problems rather than just being... I guess one of the 99% who just complains about it and moves on with their life. So, uh, yeah. No, and I think, I think one of the things I'd say to anyone that's listening to this as well is that um, I think people are often fooled into thinking that they've got to have this like genius idea to start a business or to, to create an app. And I, I don't actually think that's true. I think um, that there are lots and I have ideas all the time. People are welcome to my ideas if they, if they want one um, of, of potential businesses that could work. I actually think that the, the, the true um, success of entrepreneurs and the people who start these businesses is actually more about the execution. You know, if you think about it, Uber, when, they were not the first people to create a taxi app or a private hire app. A lot other people had done it before. They just executed that vision better than anybody else. And so, um, you know, that's what I always go back on because I've got, I'm not a very creative person. I don't, you know, have these genius ideas, but I'm quite good at taking an idea. This idea was Jules's and we built from it, but then executing it. 
Let me take this opportunity to thank my sponsors. Splitmetrics is an A-B testing platform for App Store and Google Play icons, screenshots, and videos. Uh, they help to optimize App Store conversions and analyze user on-page behavior. The App Store product page is a short window for your app. You can create multiple variations for your App Store product pages and track how users react to different screenshots, title name, descriptions, video app previews, ratings, reviews, in-app purchases, and price. Splitmetrics lets you experiment with every every single element of your store listing page and shows you why they work. A detailed analytics report lets you understand visitor behavior and see what exactly resonated with your audience. It ensures that you communicate your application core values better and deliver an app store page that converts. Splitmetrics also allows validating your app idea, design, or messaging even before the app launch to the app store or Google Play. You can get pre-release feedback, collect emails, and notify prospective users when your product goes live. So to try a new tool get a demo at www.splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy all lowercase splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy thanks so much to splitmetrics for being a sponsor of the show smarto has the largest demand stack with over 420 demand partners integrated directly into their rtb exchange while smarto's extensive global demand reach allows an app developer to instantly monetize globally based on demand integrations inside the platform so smarto's publisher platform Platform. It's called SPX, and it's a fully equipped ad server with all the controls for both direct and indirect campaigns. What does all this mean for you? Well, I mean, complete control means more revenue. You control the floor price, you control how your demand sources compete, the largest number of integrated demand sources in the industry, in fact. So on top of that, Smarto's native ad builder and private marketplace allows you to make exclusive pre-auction deals with a fixed price for your inventory. And you can create your own native advertising creatives inside the platform itself with the most user-friendly native ad builder on the market. So sign up free now at www.smarto.com. That's www.smato.com, smarto.com, and get started today. Thanks to Smarto for sponsoring the show. And now let's get back to the episode. Well, you must have listened to a lot of my episodes because you know that at this point in time, in, during the interview, I ask the guests if you have a decent idea for an app. And <laughs> you just mentioned that you have a load of ideas, maybe business ideas. To try to help one or two app entrepreneurs out, by, would you be able to give us one or two of your, well, just one idea uh, that you have for an app? Oh, but there's this one idea that me and Jules are going to do next. So I can't tell you that one. Let me, I go, let yeah. me have a think. Um, don't give us your best one maybe come back to that if you don't bother doing it yeah i'll, I'll definitely have a think about like uh, yeah as you're thinking about that yeah I, I mean what i'll do is uh say in a year's time you haven't actually implemented your idea that you're keeping back give us it and i'll put it into the show notes so that we can go back and, and revisit it I, i'm very happy to do that um i think so in terms of of apps i think that there are a few like ancillary um industries and they're quite boring don't get me wrong but i think um but they're, they're also very lucrative so i think um i would definitely create an app around filing a tax return so that there is a technology for you to get people to quite easily follow um input fields for their tax return and for that automatically to get submitted into HMRC, I think that would be a genius idea and something I'd be very happy to pay for. And I know a lot of self-employed people would be happy to pay for that. So that that would be one one idea that I would have. And then, like a, um, and again, very boring, but a budgeting app. There's not very many budgeting apps out there that are actually any good. So yeah, actually, 
I totally agree with you. I mean, I walked into Starbucks the other day and I picked up one of their free apps that they promote. And it's now actually one of the uh, top apps. It's called Pennies. And I started using it. It's a budgeting app. And it's like really, really easy to use, uh, very easy to put in stuff. But it's nice to be able to glance at your budget and just see the red, the blue, the green, you know, where, uh, where you're maybe spending more or less. And I think for anyone who's trying to, you know, create a, a source of income for living or, but by themselves, uh, you know, it's, it's important to budget. And, um, yeah, budgeting app, that's, that's a really good idea. This is the last thing then, Alex. This is a show about apps. Uh, I've mentioned one now already. Do you have an app for us that you love using around London and that you could recommend to us? Oh, I can't look at my home screen I know. to tell you what I um, <laughs> this, it, use the most. Well, I just I mean, realized the challenge of recording a podcast on an app on means a- <laughs> that in this section, it means we can't get to... Uh, so, it to so the, the, apps, the apps that I use regularly, I mean, obviously it's Google Maps because I can't get anywhere without Google Maps. It's just so genius and free. Um, but I use Evernote a lot for my to-do lists. So I, I really like Evernote and I like the fact it syncs to the cloud so I can use it on multiple devices. Um, so that that's, again, but quite... Can I, can I just talk about that? Because um, Evernote used to be one of those apps that was just always mentioned on the show and in fact i had to get to a point where i would say can we talk about an app that not that's not evernote uh, and yet you're the first person to mention it in in um i want to say about 100 episodes and uh, so it's almost become like that app that is just like on everyone's phone but we don't talk about it anymore and the way i use it is that i uh, forward to-do lists to a to-do list uh um, folder and then when I've done the thing I will then move it to the to do done folder is that is that like talk us through how you're actually using Evernote for your to-do list so so the one thing you need to understand about me Paul is I'm, I'm not very techno- technology literate which is h- highly ironic given my job um, to the point that my co-founders and my husband get very frustrated with me so I'm always behind the curve so I think I only just found Evernote and now the new kind of hot app is Todoist which is what everyone seems to be using but I use Evernote because I like the fact that I can have um notebooks so my notebooks uh, typically are like personal work and today so in my work folder I have all of my reports so I have five direct reports here on on my management team and I have a a list of things from every one to one that that I that they need that they are doing and we revisit it every one to one just as a kind of guide um on my today note I have like what do I need to get done today? Um, and then on my um, personal folder, I have things of, this sounds so sad, but I've just had a baby about 10 months ago. So there's always something I have to buy for the baby. So I've oh, got- congratulations. A, a, <laughs> thanks. So I've got a list of stuff I need to buy and then personal admin stuff I need to do. And that's the way, I like that folder structure because it just is, I'm very kind of, I like to compartmentalize my life so that it, Evernote suits me really well. Okay, I'm in danger of talking about kids because I do another podcast called the Entrepreneur Dad Podcast, and uh, <laughs> I uh, it's it's the mix of um, talking about you know like being an entrepreneur and uh, what about being uh, an entrepreneur and, like, and being a mum? Uh, well, that's the thing. I realised that maybe the branding of that podcast is uh, it <laughs> it's not the be, best. <laughs> uh, well, I don't. I mean, the, the thing that I see is that uh, there's a new 
thing that's emerging in the digital world is that dads now could be around a lot, lot more than they used to in, when I was growing up in my generation uh, because they can work from home, they can pick up work when they want to, like me, and uh, we can go and live abroad and take the kids abroad and all this sort of stuff. So I feel like uh, it's wonderful because as a father, you, you become a lot more involved than maybe our, my parents' generation were with and, and expected of dads. So that's why it's a dad focus. But yeah, I mean, I think mums uh, in the digital world are, are changing. But how on earth can you afford to live in central London and have a baby that needs um, what to go into uh, uh, daycare? It must uh, must be extortionate. Yeah, you know, it is. Um, it is not, it's not the easiest, but um, I, the business is here. And so I just, you know, I'm in London, but... Um, on the whole, dad's having more free time. Um, it's one of the things that we really believe here at Hassle.com and we built into the culture. So all of our dads here get two months paid paternity leave, um, which has really helped level the playing field between the men and women because now we don't have this whole quandary of like, oh God, she's pregnant. What are we going to do for six months while she disappears? Because we actually have that quandary with the men too. Um, and I actually think that's the best thing that we can do in society is, is equalize the, the, the care leave that we get for when a child is born so that um, dads get exactly, can have the same amount of time and the same freedom of how they're using that time that the women do. So um, that's just my little kind of gender rant on, on the on show. I, I, I love that. I actually love that. I've never really thought about that, uh, but you're right. Then. Uh, you can actually equalize that um, the, the impact of having a child uh, on the business. Um, well, Alex, this has been so great, and I oh, uh, really loved it. It's been so, such a great chat. I'm going to put all the notes on uh, episode 390, and so uh, go to theappguy.co. We can get links to the apps and the things. Uh, how, in the meantime, how best can people reach out to you? What's the best way of getting in touch? Uh, so I'm pretty active on Twitter. I'm just A Depledge. My last name's D-E-P-L-E-D-G-E. Uh, alternatively, people can drop me an email at alex at hassle.com. Wonderful. Well, all the best with hassle.com. Thank you so much, idea. Paul. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Lovely. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Splitmetrics claims that appealing screenshots can increase conversions by 30%. Their A-B testing and analytics platform lets you test icons, screenshots, and messaging to build an app profile page that converts. To understand how your design and messaging impacts your app store conversions, schedule a demo at splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy. And thanks very much to Splitmetrics for sponsoring the show. And once again, thanks to our sponsor, Smarto, the global real-time advertising platform for mobile publishers and app developers. Smarto connects you to over 290 demand-side platforms and over 130 directly integrated ad networks. And counting, sign up in just a few minutes and start monetizing your app or mobile website. Go to www.smarto.com and click the sign up button. And just one final announcement. I wanted to let you know that I've posted onto Medium a blog post that's entitled How to Pitch a Journalist at TechCrunch. If you're not following me on Medium, then you should be. You just go to Medium. It's the platform that's been created by one of the co-founders of Twitter, Evan Williams. And it's a wonderful blogging platform. And you can actually sign up with your Twitter account. And I'd highly recommend suggesting the latest post that I did called How to Pitch a Journalist at TechCrunch. It would be great. It would help spread the word about my interview with Steve O'Hare. And I'd really appreciate your help. Thanks very much for listening to this message and I look forward to getting another episode to you shortly.